You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 65 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Chemical City Rebels. Enduring floods, high volumes, and the punishing southern Louisiana summer, Chemical City Rebels are here to stay. Blending furious pace with mid-tempo drive and infectious vocal harmonies, they craft what they call stoner pop punk. Late in 2018, the band recorded their debut full-length album, A New Plague, With influences ranging from hot water music to typo negative, a new plague is more than the sum of its parts. For more information on Chemical City Rebels, please check out chemicalcityrebels.bandcamp.com, instagram.com, at chemicalcityreb, facebook.com forward slash chemicalcityrebels, and on Twitter, at chemicalcityreb. Now here it is, their new single, A New Plague.
we're heathen and heretic apparel. Our clothing is inspired by the cultures we grew up in. Metal, punk, a little bit of goth, and all things dark. We offer men's, women's, and unisex t-shirts, tank tops, hats, and accessories. And right now, Heathen and Heretic is offering 20% off our entire store to all podcast listeners. Just use the promo code TOUR20 at checkout. That's T-O-U-R-20. Visit our online store at heathenandheretic.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Heathen and Heretic Apparel. Check us out. This is Seb from Baroness, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the van, tomorrow we'll do it, we'll do it all. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. Welcome to episode number 65. I can't believe we've done 65 of these things. We've had so many great guests on the show over the last, you know, I guess we're going up on like 16 months now. It's been it's been a long time. So, uh, yeah, last week was amazing. Episode 64, Steve Brooks from Torch. It was a wonderful episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was so much fun hanging out with Steve. And today's guest was actually done the same night that I did my interview with Steve. This is uh, Seb Thompson, Sebastian Thompson from Baroness, the drummer of Baroness. We had a really good time, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. It was a really cool night. My buddy Eric Johnson from the band Brazil, he's been on the podcast twice before. We went down to see Baroness and Torch, and my old bandmate and one of my best friends of my entire life, Brian Nelson, he used to play in the Ataris with me. He is the monitor guy for Baroness, and uh, his fiance Victoria, is their tour manager, so we got to go down and, and hang out with them, and and I got to see Brian's parents and Brian's sister, and my old drummer Jake from the Ataris was there, and just so many friends, and uh, it was just a great night, and Baroness is an amazing live band. I, I had not seen them live before. I've seen videos and whatnot, but I hadn't seen them live, and it was just, it was unreal, and uh, I cannot wait to see them again. So before I get to my conversation with Seb from Baroness, I just want to uh, tell you guys, thanks for all the support. I've had so many emails and just so much feedback. People are starting to find the show. Like it was, uh, we've always done fairly well. It's grown pretty, pretty, pretty great every week. 
But uh, I've been getting crazy, crazy emails and all kinds of stuff. So thank you guys so much for spreading the word and for coming back week in and week out. If this is your first episode, if Baroness brought you here, thank you for being here and check out a back the back catalog. We have so many cool episodes and I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. So before I get to my conversation with Seb from Baroness, I'm going to pay some bills. That's what we do on this podcast. Try to keep the lights on. I have some amazing sponsors. You heard the band at the beginning, Chemical City Rebels out of Louisiana. I love those guys. They are so great. Shout out to Chemical City Rebels. You guys need to check them out. All the information will be in the show notes, so show them some love. I also want to say thank you to Heathen and Heretic Apparel. They're an amazing clothing like clothing company apparel line out of Canada. And uh, if you go to their website, Heathen and Heathen and Heretic <laughs> <clears throat> I'm having some problems. Heathenandheretic.com and use the Tour20 promo code. You're going to get 20% off your order. So head on over to Heathenandheretic.com. I also want to say what's up to Permanence Tattoo Gallery over in Anderson, Indiana. My buddy Jacob Harrison is the owner and amazing tattoo artist over there. So are all the other people over there. They're great. But head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery in Anderson, Indiana. It's downtown on Meridian Street. Get yourself some ink. You can check them out on all of the social media platforms at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. But uh, that's it for the sponsors. I do have a top five list this week. So we have the top five list segment has been gone as of late, but uh, I'm going to do it right now. This week's top five list is uh, courtesy of Francisco. He's out of Riverside, California, and he had the top five list, top five punk compilations. And I got so excited because that's how, when I was younger, that's how I found out about all my favorite bands I have now. And uh, I was going to give you my top five list, but he had such a great top five list. I'm just going to comment on his picks because they're all in my top five list as well. So Francisco, thank you so much for the list. And here we go. Coming in at number five, Francisco has Physical Fatness, which is Fat Music Volume 3. Fat Records was the king of the compilations back in the day. I mean, you know, short music for short people or no not yeah yeah short music for short people was on there uh fat music for fat people uh life in the fat lane like all of these amazing compilations with so many great bands and i just remember physical fatness one of my favorite songs it's when i first really got into the swinging utters they had that song next in line which uh i think i got into him kind of late but that was a it's a great song i actually played that song on johnny from the swinging utters when he was on the show but yeah, physical fatness, number five. That's that's an awesome pick, man. All the fat comps would be in my top five. So there's no way I could I could never do a top five because there's more than five comps. But uh Francisco has that number four, Teenage Kicks on Liberation Records. I remember getting this one too, man. It's uh it had Squirt Gun on there, really, really cool band that actually is kind of from here in Indiana, Mass that owns Sonic Iguana Recording Studio. That's his band. Uh 88 Fingers Louie was on there which is one of my favorite bands. The Bull Weevils were on there. They actually covered a Naked Reagan song. So yeah, Teenage Kicks. That's a man blast from the past. It's awesome that you brought that up. Okay, coming in at number three, the Fearless Flush sampler. And I'm going to tell you, that was my first experience with Bigwig. It was 1997. I was a senior in high school. 
And I remember getting that sampler at Karma Records in Marion, Indiana, where I actually, after I got out of school, I actually ended up working there. I, I had my own little like Chris's punk section. It was, it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, in 1997, graduating high school, getting the Fearless Flush sampler. So many great bands on there. I think it was like 30 Foot Fall and Dynamite Boy. But I remember hearing Big Wig and I was just like, whoa, this band is awesome. And uh, Tom from Big Wig is going to be on the show in a couple weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Coming in at number two on Francisco's list, he's got Hopelessly Devoted to You. Uh, I believe volume one. I don't know if he specified, but yeah, volume one, Hopeless Records. It changed a lot for me. So many good bands. You had 88 Fingers Louie covering The Misfits. You can't go wrong with that. The Bull Weevils, their favorite song of theirs that I have. I actually played it on Daryl's episode when he was on. It's called Talk People. Uh, Digger was on there. So many great bands. And I just, you know, I remember the Cinema Beer Nuts series, Cinema Beer Goggles, those videos that Hopeless put out that had all the different bands. I mean, that's how either that or like skate videos, that's how I found out about my favorite bands. Okay, so number one, I I love this compilation. This is an old one, man. 1995, Liberation Records, Punk Sucks. This was one of my first like punk compilations. I remember getting it. I was a sophomore in high school, and it was kind of like my entrance into a lot of bands. Like Pennywise was on there. Uh, Soulmate by No Use for a Name was on there. Sublime was on there. Before like Sublime got huge, they were on there. And 88 Fingers Louie had one of my one of my favorite 88 songs of all time. It's a song called Too Many. So yeah, Punk Sucks, Liberation Records, 1995. Killer compilation. I mean, it, it opened so many doors for me into bands that I was going to love for the rest of my life. I want to give, uh, I'm not gonna really going to give my list because those are all on my list. I do want to give kind of an honorable mention because the first compilation that I ever got, my dad got for me in like a $5 bin at Karma Records and it was called Punkarama. It's the the, the first one, the green cover from uh, Epitaph. No effects, Pennywise, Bad Religion. I mean, it was, it was life changing. So if you out there listening have been, you know, changed, if your life was changed by a punk compilation, Hit me up on one of the social medias. You know, it's at TOTOT Podcast, or you can email me, TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what your favorite compilation is or what, you know, a lot of your favorite compilations are. I just remember getting Punkarama and it was, it was life changing. So I'd like to hear your stories out there, what your favorite comps are. Francisco, thank you so much for sending in the top five list. I appreciate it. I hope you're doing well. If you guys have a top five list or if you have a suggestion for a TOTOT radio segment or whatever, hit me up, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com. If you want priority, you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash TOTOTpodcast. And uh, yeah, we'd appreciate the support. I, I try to do some content for you guys. I know it's this is a pretty long intro, but... It's my podcast. Somebody on somebody on YouTube, because I was trying to post some stuff on YouTube too, but I'm kind of giving up on that. Uh, when Travis from Coheed and Cambria was on, I, I posted his episode on YouTube, and the guy in the comments was like, his interview didn't start till 21 minutes in. Well, then go listen to another fucking podcast, because this is what I do, man. Like, this is my show, and I want to talk to you guys, and I want to give you guys cool top five lists like Francisco sent in. I want to give you cool bands like the Chemical City Rebels. 
that's what this is about. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we are going to get into my conversation, though, very, very quickly with Seb from Baroness. We had such a wonderful time. We talked about them going to the Grammys a couple years back. We talked about his other band, Trans Am, and how hard it is for them to kind of work on the stuff because he's so busy with Baroness and like one of the guys lives in New Zealand and another guy lives like in LA and then he lives in Brooklyn. Like we, we talked about everything. You guys are going to love it. And if you have the chance to see Baroness, go see them. I cannot stress that enough. They are so amazing. And I love the fact that they smile on stage. Everything is so triumphant when they like they're harmonizing guitar leads and everybody just looks like they're having so much fun. And that doesn't happen in metal. Metal bands always look like they're pissed off, which I mean, I kind of understand that. But the feeling at a Baroness show is just pure joy. So I want to thank Seb and John and Gina and Nick and everybody in the Baroness camp for letting me come hang out and showing me so much great hospitality. But I'm going to stop rambling. I always say that, but I'm really going to do it. So here we go. We're going to get right into my conversation with Seb Thompson from Baroness. Here we go. And I am sitting on a very luxurious couch. Very comfy. With Seb from Baroness. How are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing great. Thank you. So, you know, I've been a fan of your band for quite a while. Uh, How is the tour going? I know you guys are promoting the new record, Golden Gray. The tour is going great. Um, It's an interesting tour because we just did a tour in the spring with Deaf Heaven. Excuse me. So this is this is like a sandwich is coming back up. (laughs) So this is this is very much on the heels of that tour. So it means that we're hitting cities that we didn't hit on the first tour. Yeah. So it means that we're hitting smaller cities, which is awesome and weird and different, you know, because Indianapolis, I mean, we get quite a lot of tours. This is, this is a, this is one of the bigger cities. So this isn't like a B market. Indianapolis or the tour? Indianapolis. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> ruffle any feathers it's here. Okay. But it's I okay, think, <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is, look, this is totally not like a, like a judgment call. It's just as far as population, we've done some C market towns okay, on this okay. tour. Like we did Huntington, New York, which is like the middle of Long Island. Wow. It's like a beach town. I mean, it was an awesome show and a great venue. I'm just saying it's small places. Are the the venues similar sizes on this it's, tour? It's it's all over. Like going back to that Huntington show, it was at the Paramount Theater, which is a really nice theater. It's like super pro, great PA, great room. And for a small town for whatever reason that happens sometimes. So uh, one of my best friends, Brian Nelson, used to play in the Ataris with me. He is your monitor guy. I know Brian very well. Uh, how is it with Brian working with you guys? Do you I enjoy love, him? I love having Brian on tour. He's a he's a really calming Hoosier force. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's got that chill Midwest vibe. We play Little League together, man. He's he's amazing. the best guy in the world. So we're all We're all like... I'm originally from Argentina. Buenos Aires is a lot like sort of like New York. It has that really high energy Italian aggressive vibe. Yeah. And everybody else is from the East Coast, you know, Philly and stuff like that. And so it's good to have somebody from the Midwest yeah. to sort of be like, hey, guys. Well, he, he was just. <laughs> he never says anything. He just, he does his presence. Well, I've been on the road with him quite a bit. And his presence is, is like that. He's pretty even keeled. Super even keeled. So you mentioned uh, being from Argentina. You mentioned Buenos Aires. 
He was just telling me that Tom. Yes, appendicitis. Appendicitis, and he had to Buenos actually Aires. stay there, and you we guys to, went on. We had to leave him behind. We went to Brazil without Tom, which sucked for everybody and for him. And everybody out there that's listening, Tom played in the Ataris as well yes. after I left, yes. and he is a guitar tech? He's our guitar tech, exactly. And stage manager. Stage manager, okay. Both. And, so, and also, honestly, a little bit of lighting director, too. Okay, cool. Everybody's kind of doing, like, multiple duties. I think that's a great way to be, because any level band, whatever money you can save... Of course. And also, I mean, there is a fine line from like being too busy and not being busy enough on tour. Yeah. Like if you're only doing like, let's say if you're only drum teching, like it's not not, (laughs) like you're not busy all day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can do other stuff. Well, I mean, Brian had told me some some gigs he had prior to this where he was front of house engineer. Yeah. And it was where you didn't even have to like mic the stuff you just show up sure put the card in and right and then yeah, you have your file if it's a digital board and then you're just yeah. kind of like all right well that happened so uh <laughs> golden gray is the new record it is you guys worked with dave fridman again yes at tar box yes um he's got very unique producing skills i mean he the does. way it's mixed yes i know there's been some kind of back and forth there's been on- a lot of controversy <laughs> with the fans specifically what dave likes to do he likes to add you know, a bit of square wave distortion and crunch on different channels. Yeah. And a lot of people misunderstand that as like, oh my God, these guys like don't know how to master. Like, I love it. I, I I mean, regardless of whether you love it or not, it's it's not a mastering mistake. Yeah. It is an intentional artistic decision. I mean, have, you know? so you guys have had some blowback We've from definitely the fans? Had, yeah, I think, I mean, look, I can sort of understand it when you when you hear one of the just if you hear one or two tracks off of Golden Gray, you know, not in context. Yeah, you'll be like, "Whoa, what the hell?" It sounds crazy. When you listen to the whole album, it starts to make a sort of psychedelic sense. Okay, which really works for me. So, but I think the other thing is that, like, you know, a lot of the Baroness fans who I appreciate each and every one of you. <laughs> yeah, some of them come from a more metal world yeah and metal production is very clinical definitely because it's like a lot of it's you know part of the, it is the about attack the on the kick drum is yeah. the same the snare is the same you know and like for example when like when steve albini did uh what do you do did you do high and fire yeah yeah I, that kind of didn't work for me okay because it's like the double kick gets kind of lost so True. i think so i think people that like metal like a very clinical clean detailed production was there the same blowback and that's not what we do Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it fits very well. Like when I would put you guys in the metal category, but there's definitely more going on there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, now I say we're, we're X metal. X metal. Yeah. Like, because post metal is an actual style, which we are not. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying that like Baroness used to be a metal band. That's that's what I mean by X metal. Did you guys get the same blowback on purple? Because we did did that as well. We did. Definitely. Because I feel like there's a, a pretty fine line drawn between the production on both. I mean, purple yeah, I know it was different, but it seems to have a little bit more in common with the way most metal bands. I mean, there's some different sounds. I think I think the Golden Gray is more varied. Yeah, is that how you say that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it pushes the boundaries of of what Dave does. <laughs> yeah, but it's like there's like there's stuff that's like really pretty clean, stuff that's really noisy. There's more, and and just also the music is more sort of you know, uh, you know, takes different turns. Purple is more concise yeah. in, in multiple ways, so sound-wise and music-wise. The new record is on your own label. Yes. Was there, so is Purple. Okay, actually, yeah, yeah, Purple as well. Yeah. When that all came about, I mean, is that kind of keeping it in-house and working on it, you know, without outside forces? We Do you have, guys enjoy that? Oh, by the way, nice shoes. Oh, 
Thanks, man. I have the same exact ones. That's awesome. These are hard to get. These are the Serranos. Oh, I have the these are what are the Those are the well, they're the same brand. Yeah. There's just I'm addicted to these. Yeah. I used to get them for free and now I have to nice. pay for them. <laughs> nice. Anyway, sorry. Um yeah, so the the deal is that we ha- we're very fortunate to have a very very high-end management company. Oh, it's Q Prime. Us, which is Q Prime. Which, which is, if anybody out there doesn't know, that's Metallica has yeah, the same I mean, they've, they've worked with, you know, Aerosmith, Rush, whatever, you know, yeah. like all these crazy bands. So, and I mean, they've obviously worked with smaller new new bands as well. And we're, we might be one of the smallest bands wow. that works with Q Prime, honestly. But anyway, so we have this, so ba- so they have this big office. So they're like, you know, everything a label can do, we can, you can pay somebody to do nowadays and we can get that person for you. Press, publicity, whatever. We can help you with distribution, all that stuff. So you just end up saving, you know, 15, 20%. Yeah. You're not paying a label. You're just yeah. paying someone to do it, right? Yeah. And the other thing that we're really lucky about is that they can help us, you know, with advances. We pay them back, obviously. Definitely. But a label traditionally was also kind of a bank, is what they did with sixty percent interest. Right? Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was. It was a bank with like indentured servitude. Yeah, totally. Man. <laughs> but it, that kind of was part of what they were. What they were it was a bank, you know. Well, and with you guys having the back catalog and having you know loyal fans, you can kind of do whatever you want. Like if you guys want to put out an EP tomorrow, and you just put out this, I mean, there's no. There's no limits to what you can do if you're doing it yourself, correct? Yes, exactly. I mean, it's 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 not just the fifteen percent; it's also the freedom. Yeah, obviously. And you're not like you know, oh, we've got four more records on this shit label that we don't want to have anything exactly. to do with. There's no crazy contract, you know what I mean? And I mean, the the, the one downside is that John, our our uh, singer and songwriter, uh, primary songwriter, he loves to be busy, so he takes <laughs> so he takes on all the. All the minutia of well, and he out. does the art, and he does the artwork. Well. So he's constantly like running around, you know, <laughs> like oh my god, I need to send this email. Oh god, I need to format the the CD artwork for Europe, you know, shit like that. So what what's your style maybe on tour? Like, are you not as busy? Do you like to take your 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 you time? You know? So I was asked on every tour they asked me, hey, do you want a drum tech? And I always say no. And first of all, it's because, I mean, how lazy can you possibly be, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, dude. Second of all, I yeah, I like setting up my drums. Third of all, you save some band, save some money. Yeah. And fourth of all, drum techs are just waiting for you to break your ankle. So they can take over. So they're, they're watching you every night like a vulture. Yeah. Learning all your parts. <laughs> so you got to watch out. And they're all good players, drum techs, usually. Definitely. I mean, you would think they would be you know, if that's their so you job. you got to be careful with, with techs. Anyway, but the, the answer to the question is my style on tour is that I, you know, because I, yeah, I mean, it starts at, at 1.30. I set up the drums. From 2.30 to 3.30, we uh, have tinker time, which means we just mess around and we jam, whatever. Yeah either together or individually, you know, people, they get their settings together on their pedal boards. I, you know, tune the drums, whatever, warm up, that kind of stuff. Sound check from 3.30 to 4.30. And then, you know, I like to take multiple naps a day. I'll be (laughs) honest with you. And one of the advantages of touring on a bus is that you can go at any point of day or night in your bunk, which is super comfy, super private. And take a nap, even even just like get horizontal and read for twenty minutes. Do you guys awesome. ever get hotel rooms, or is it mostly just showers? We at the get ho- we get shower rooms on days off. Okay, like we'll get two. It's it's eight of us. Was eight of us? Yeah, it's eight of us, and we get two shower rooms on a day off. There you go. You know, 
It's not bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad. And like, it, you know, some of the venues we play are more DIY where there might not be a shower, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Where, and we're also in the middle of a heat wave right now. So that's kind of rough. So, you know, I'll like, I'll be like washing myself in a sink. <laughs> yeah. So that's a little grim. There, that's a little grim, you know, but whatever. I mean, but then like today we're in this really nice venue and I just took one of the most amazing showers of my life. It was incredible. So tomorrow I know that John and Gina are doing an in-store like acoustic thing. Yeah. So that's a day off for the full band. What do you usually do on well, those Well, Nick and I still go because it's it's like, it's not only is it, is it a performance, it's also a meet and greet. Okay. So Nick and I have to hang out and be charming and sign <laughs> records and stuff. Yeah. So that's awesome. Man. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, Kind of, it's kind of great because I can be a little tired, maybe a little hungover. I don't have to play. I just <laughs> shake hands, say hi, and joke around and sign stuff. It's pretty good. That's awesome. I want to go back a little bit. Um, I know that you've been in the band now since 2013. Jesus. <laughs> there was a, a pretty well talked about, you know, bus accident in 2012 with the band. And, yes. and two of the members decided they wanted to retire from the band. Yes. What was the process like? For joining, like, did you guys know each other already? Like, how did that so, go? So, I mean, if you want to know the nitty-gritty details, uh, so I played in a band called Trans Am. I still do. And one of our, the guitarist played in a band called Golden, whose drummer was a certain Mr. John Theodore, who was a very accomplished drummer who was one of my oldest friends. And we were drum buddies from way back in the day, late teenage years. And we've been friends, tight friends since then. And when Alan decided that he, you know, his back was, got fucked up in the accident. Yeah. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. John Baisley called John Theodore. Hey, man, would you like to play in Baroness? And John Theodore said, I just got asked to join Queens of the Stone Age. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do that, right? But then he said, you should call Seb from Trans Am. And then John Baisley said, oh, I didn't realize he would be available or do yeah. something like that. So we, we got in contact. We chatted. I learned five songs. I went and I jammed with John and Pete. It sounded really good. And they were like, yeah, we're going on tour in a month. It's going to be great. You're going to have a lot of fun. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going on tour with you guys. <laughs> that was great. I mean, it was yeah. a good decision, right? It was awesome. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a great experience. I love, I mean, you know, it's funny because I also do a lot of electronic music. And when I did start playing with Baroness, it, I, it was kind of like a dip in my acoustic drum playing and practicing i was just kind of like i was doing more you know was programming beats and producing yeah. and i was like oh drums are kind of stupid you know they're so like <laughs> so like primitive well, you know I saw, I saw and on, now like i'm practicing like five hours a day i love it i'm well, like way into it again on the documentary that's on youtube yeah. about making purple it says on there where you kind of you know program the drums yeah, to the demos yeah, 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 and then yeah. figured out what to do on acoustic yes. instruments yeah because like sometimes you'll have an idea in your head like because, you know, drumming is, it's, it's all like math games, yeah. right? Like, what if I put a three over a five or whatever? And you can't, I'm not, I'm not proficient enough that I can just do that. Yeah. I need to, I need to hear what it sounds like. And then you can kind of And then I can it learn it. And the thing is like, I, I mean, I can read music, but it's much easier for me to hear the yeah. beat. So I will, that's why, yeah, I love programming on MIDI on my laptop, weird beats, and then like forcing myself to learn them. Well, and I've I've noticed, I mean, this is just because I'm a musician and I've I've studied the records a lot. I mean, the stuff before you got in the band was really, really cool. But since you've gotten the band, your drumming style is quite different than the the mm -hmm. guy at your predecessor. Yeah. And One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. 
Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. You being in Trans Am and maybe doing different styles of music, do, I, do you feel like that is really influenced the songwriting of Baroness because I mean it is quite different I think so yeah definitely a little I mean, jazzier in parts and stuff well you know? that maybe that's the jazzy parts Nick I think <laughs> yeah okay I think my thing is more the sort of the kraut rock influence okay. and, and the post rock influence you know uh, but Alan did have some of that and the way John Baisley always puts it is that like Alan was like a punk and metal drummer who was interested in kraut rock and post rock okay and I was a kraut rock and post rock drummer who was interested in punk and metal. <laughs> okay. And so we kind of went, came from opposite directions and met in a similar place. That's cool, man. You know, I, yeah, I think, yeah. And, and learning Alan's parts was awesome. It was a challenge and it was fun. And he's a, an amazing drummer and it was really cool. And I learned, it's a learning process. But I feel like on, on, on Purple, I really tried to, I realized, look, I'm not here to like reinvent this band. Yeah. This band has a history and a tradition and I want to, try to do something like what would Alan do? Obviously with my spin on it, but in the ballpark. With Golden Grey, I was like more like, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna throw some of my old shit in here. <laughs> my traditional Seb, you know. Did you do programming for the demos on that as well? Uh not as much this time, but basically for for a lot of the the full band tracks, it starts with me like I have a little home studio in Brooklyn and I'll just record grooves or beats I think are hooky or interesting or whatever and John will pick half of them that he likes, and then he'll start writing based on that. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that's kind of the... Yeah, because he likes to have a sort of like a context for the chord progression or the riff or whatever. I used to have a really good drummer, and like he would do the same kind of thing. And if I was writing a song, I would take the loop, and I would just start writing riffs to the loop. And it, yeah, that's, it's a good that's, way that's to go. That's what we do. I'll, I'll, send, like, I'll send him like... If there's like 10 ideas, each idea will have like four variations and they're all they're all like one bar two bar loops with and 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 I and I when I play them to a click so he can like you know do like lego blocks and put the <laughs> fill here the 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 verse beat here the chorus beat there and so he can do that and then once he sort of works something out I'll go down to Philly and then we'll play it as humans <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and we'll and, and then we'll start modifying it that's awesome. You know, there are some things that that came about in a more traditional way of just like us jamming. You know, like that the pale song which closes the album, that was just us jamming in just the in bass. In a room, and, starts yeah. doing okay. And then, you know, kind of sort of inspired, you know, it's a bit of, you know, uh uh Pink Floyd Lava Pompeii kind of vibe, you know. So, if you had to pick, I mean, I know everybody in the band has different influences and it comes out in the songs. You're drumming heroes. Can you name like two or three oh, guys? Definitely. I mean, I would say it's funny because I don't really play like him, but I would say my number one most favorite drummer ever is Stuart Copeland. Okay. I think I do a little bit play like him. Can you pull off that reggae type stuff? Not really. I mean, I honestly, I'm 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 trying to learn more of his stuff this year. He's really, I mean, he's just he has, of course, a lot of chops. But but what I like about Stuart Copeland 
which is the same thing that John Bonham has, is that he's a musician that happens to be sick at drumming. And yeah. the drum parts are like are musical and recognizable. If 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 you hear drum outtakes of the police or Led Zeppelin, you immediately know who the drummer is. Yeah. And for example, like I love Ian Pace, right, from Deep Purple, but you can't really say that about him. He's more technical than John Bonham. Yeah. But his drum beats are not he didn't write or compose as iconic drum parts. And Stuart Copeland is the same kind of thing, where it's just like you instantly recognize him. And it's deceptive, decept, deceptively weird yeah, to play along yeah. to. Like you're, you're like, oh, yeah, this is whatever. This is, there's just a backbeat. And then you start playing, and you're like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> this is insane. Your, your parts, when I you know study the records and listen, they all seem like they're very meticulously thought out. Is there any part on the record that's kind of a throwaway part that you just, oh, this is just a beat? Or are they all meticulous? No, things? it's all. I I really I really like music to have like a, a point. A point, yeah. You know, like intention. That's really what what it boils down to to me. Like I don't like. I mean, ACDC is the best rock and roll band ever because they go straight to the point. Yeah. Of rock, right? And so, yeah, I, I want I want I want there to be a reason for the, that beat to exist. You know, I don't want to just like play a backbeat. <laughs> You know, I mean, I can. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. As long as you're doing it with, like I said. Well, like you mentioned, you, you mentioned know? ACDC and yeah. some people might, you know, slag that drummer. But right. he's the best guy at doing that he's in awesome. the world. He's great. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's awesome. So um, I wanted to talk about Shock Me. Really yeah. great song uh, on Purple was nominated thank for you. a Grammy. Yes. Thank you. We lost to Megadeth. I mean, I guess that's not a bad band to lose to. I, I don't know if you've heard the story, but uh, we were in the, you know, we we're on the theater. I want to know all about going to the Grammys. Okay, this is so, a big right. thing. So, so here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Like, for the first thing I'm going to say is, did you I, talk to Dave Mustaine? No, no. The first thing I will say is that never once in my life has anybody I've ever known said to me, "Hey, man, should we really check out this band? They just won a Grammy." True. Yeah. In fact, if in if anybody ever said that to me, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass." I'd be like, "Yeah, I know what, who fucking wins Grammys." Yeah, like, I'll I'm pass over on that it. band, right? <laughs> so, having said that. I, of course, it is incredibly flattering. Yeah, definitely to be nominated, and it means that you're being recognized by by your peers. When I saw the pictures of you guys all dressed up on Instagram, yeah, like it had to it be. It was cool. so much fun, man. Yeah. But uh, but you know the people who vote are musicians, you know who've been nominated before, and I forgot how you. Uh, anyway, people that you know other bands have voted for you, so that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's super flattering. And and it's you know it's nice to tell your mom or dad or whatever hey you know I mean that's, that's it kind of legitimizes it because like my parents you know aren't in that world and I've been yeah in neither band, are mine I've been in bands that could have been yeah. nominated right. at some point yeah and if you tell your mom and dad like we're nominated for a Grammy I know it's like, in their mind it's like wow it's like all the shit I gave you for the last twenty yeah. years maybe I was wrong <laughs> so do you have any stories from yeah. that night so I mean so. Uh, I believe so. It was the best metal performance is the category. It was us, Megadeth, and they didn't air it, and I was fucking pissed. Gojira, I know they don't because the the metal category is during the day. It's not. It's it, it sucked, man. Because I, I watched it with my wife, and I don't really I watch the Grammys. They, I'm like, Baroness only, is up. It's only the pop stuff at the show. Yeah. So it was Baroness, Megadeth, Gojira, Corn, and Periphery. Should have been you guys. It's like so, the Jethro Tull Metallica thing. Yeah. Bro. So, so the whole time we're like. We're obviously not going to win, but this is, we're going to go to LA and it's going to be super weird and super fun and we're yeah. going to party and dress up and whatever, right? So we bought these crazy suits and we had a great time and we were, you know, 
looking like douchebags, whatever, and like <laughs> having fun on the red carpet and, you know, doing all that. Just like trying to enjoy this weird moment. And then we're in the theater and it's, you know, it's like a long, there's like 20, I don't know how to do There's so many categories. Yeah. So Especially the technical categories right. as well. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like best best instrumental Norteño recording. <laughs> it's like super specific, specific, right? So it's getting closer and closer to our uh, category. And, it, you know, Pete was in the band at this point. It's Pete, John, Nick, and myself. We're sitting there sort of joking around. And then suddenly we look at each other. We're like, wait a minute. What if what if we do win? Yeah. You know, and when and some we got really nervous because we're like, what what? Like there is a chance. You no, know nothing prepared. Nothing no prepared. No speech. We didn't like, we didn't go through anything like what we would do. We were yeah. like, oh fuck. Like, uh, I don't know, man. And then it's like it gets closer and closer. And after like six weeks of thinking there's no absolutely no way we're gonna win, suddenly like 30 seconds before you're like, oh my God, we might win. <laughs> we're gonna win. Guys, we're gonna win. Like you get like really like yeah. excited. And then they and then they announced Megadeth, and we were like, "Fuck," <laughs> which is like you know a huge turnaround. And then Corn just got up and walked out as soon as they really, said, yeah, walked out of the auditorium as soon as they said Megadeth. I mean, I guess they've been there a few times, probably. And then the best part is, I do not know if this is an accident or on purpose, but the house band played Master of Puppets when Megadeth walked on stage. I don't know if they're clever enough to know that it was a fuck you. It might have been just like, hey, this is like a Super coincidence, but it's awesome. This might be like a a really famous, like, you know, 80s thrash song, whatever. (laughs) I don't know what they were thinking, but everybody, we were all like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome story, man. Yeah. So how were the parties afterwards? Did you guys go to the parties? Lame. There's no, they, they don't even give you drinks. Really? Yeah. Is there food or anything? It might have been food. I don't care about food. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Like, you lost the Grammy. Here's the fucking lamb chop. But, uh, but I mean, it was in LA and I have friends there. And, you know, afterwards we had fun and we partied. Oh, and we saw, actually, we went and saw Metallica play at a pretty cool small venue. And I think it was the first time they played in LA for decades. Wow. Cause they had kind of like, I don't know, I don't remember what, what the story is, but they had kind of, Decided not to never play LA ever again, and so that was fun. That's to see awesome. Them in, a, in a you know probably like it's like like theater size venue. You and know? you guys have a history with them. Yes, they, you know they've brought you on stage before. I know before you were in the band, the band toured with them in Australia. Yes. So and was then, that through like, hey, we're in LA, can we come hang out, or did you guys get yeah, management or no, no, yeah, we we share management and 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 John is more buddies with them. I don't, I've only met them a couple. I times. know John like designed a shirt or something yes, for them as well. Exactly. So so yeah, he's he's in he's in touch with mainly with uh James, the most. But uh yeah, I mean I've I've met them all. Super nice dudes. You know, I get the feeling they're still music nerds, which I really yeah. appreciate. Like when I met Lars, he was like, yeah, man, Trans Am, all right. I was like, whoa, cool, dude. That's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, uh, we toured back in the day on Warp Tour, this band called Gallows. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I'm friends with Lee. Their drummer's still on like, James has worn a Gallows shirt on stage. And it's just always yeah. cool when you see those guys. They're still, they're still just like we were when we were 13. And they're like supporting nerds, like know? bands, the next generation of bands, like taking yeah. you guys on the it's road. Awesome. It's great. How did it come about with them introducing you guys? Was that in Detroit? It was in Detroit and it was very soon after Nick and I joined. So it was kind of like a, you know, like this band is back. They had a really bad thing happen, but they're still And they here. know all about bus accidents. Exactly. Yeah. If anybody can, you know, talk about that, it's Metallica. Yeah. And we got off light, you know, 
totally compared to yeah. them. So, so yeah, so it was kind of like a like a hey, you know, we we know these guys, we love these guys, and they had a really shit thing happen, and they're they they have not given up, and that kind of thing. That's awesome. And you said uh, when we were talking prior to this. You guys played with them in Quebec? In Quebec City. It was the opening of a uh, arena, which I'm assuming is for mainly ice hockey up there. But uh, <laughs> Or poutine eating contest. Yes, but it, <laughs> it, it was really fun because, uh, first of all, it was a one-off show. We weren't on tour. We just drove up there for the show. And uh, so Metallica does that. They do their shows in the round. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Right? So there's no, there's no back to the stage. It's like a in the middle of the arena. And and the drum riser kind of rotates slowly, and the guys just run around with their wireless. And so we used wireless too. My drum kit did not rotate, but <laughs> but Nick and Pete and John had wireless, and Nick was just like running laps around the, <laughs> around me the entire show. He was so into it. But the other funny thing was that uh, we set up to sound check, and I hit my snare once, and everybody's like, "Shut up!" Like freaking out because they were filming uh, either a Coke or a Pepsi ad. At that during our sound check, and we we actually didn't get to sound check, and so the so when we started our set, we just did like a bit of like drum fills and like yeah, just to get some kind of line check. Yeah, yeah, like in front of like ten thousand people. It's the first time we heard <laughs> our our monitor mixes and whatever. That's awesome. Now you guys, I was talking to Brian earlier. You guys are using in ears pretty we much are. exclusively, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is do you like that better than having front fills? I you know it took a while to get used to. I kind of fought it for a while, but now I'm kind of addicted to it. It's well. The first thing is that you need to have a dedicated monitor, monitor engineer, for someone that. that knows what's going on. Because yeah. it's it's not just like you know, like with Trans Am would be like, yeah, I just need the DIs and the kick drum next to me. That's it. Because I set up in front of the amps. Yeah, easy, done. You don't need a monitor guy. But with this, it's so. I mean, they completely they block everything acoustically. It's like forty dB because they're noise canceling, and, and then you've also got the they're, mix. Well, right? they're also you know they're molded to my ears. Yeah, they're like a perfect seal, so I, I I don't hear anything. Like I have to put the drums back in the mix. Do you guys have like a crowd noise coming? We in do. There? We do have audience mics. Yes. Okay, because I always wonder that we have audience mics and the overheads, and then then we have you know we compress it and we have verb and we make it sound good because it, like you can hear everything. Yeah, which the first like week or so is a little um, kind of like. I don't know what the word is, but it's uh, I don't know how do I, how do I see I the few this. times that I've used it. It was just so weird because it's, the monitor guy didn't have any audience. In yeah, it. I was just like, man, we get done playing it. It doesn't sound. like It kind of feels cares. like it kind of feels like when you go to the, to the studio and you're like, oh my god, like yeah. I can I can hear everything I'm rushing, everything I'm behind on. I can hear every mistake. Do you play to a click at all? No. Okay. But in studio, the, in the studio, yeah. yeah. Okay. But not on stage, and it's like it's like you can hear every fuck up with the, yeah. with the monitors and the, the first couple of times you're like oh my god like we suck <laughs> you know you go you go from like you know you have the, the amp volume and the and the kick and the sub and you're just you just have maybe the foam earplugs and you've had a couple of beers you're like we fucking rock yeah dude <laughs> right and then you go to in ears and you're like oh my god we need to practice well it's like we talk about on the podcast all the time when you go into your first like real studio exactly it's like that and you're like oh i'm not a fully formed musician yeah like i fucking you, suck you, you get a bit of performance anxiety and stuff but after a week then you're like oh my god now we're like it's hard to go back totally because now we're like locked in hopefully but you now you can at first it's a little off-putting and then you're like yeah. oh no now we're like playing together you know it's really good it's also really good for the singers yeah well cause because they have to hear the key of what they're singing it's, but I'm, but the thing there's never any feedback problems you know because normally it's like hey i need more vocals in the in the front wedges okay and there's like Bee, you yeah, know yeah. so that never happens well you, you speaking of locked in you just said the one thing that i noticed 
when you guys joined the band, you and Nick together, that it's a crushing rhythm section, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. It feels like Nick you guys is, have been playing together forever. Well, we haven't, but I, I love playing with him. And it's and it's like not only is it musically awesome, but we just we're just having a good time. And you hadn't met him time. prior. No, 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 no. And Nick, I mean, Nick did tell me he was like when he when we when he quote auditioned, which I hate saying that because it <laughs> wasn't like a traditional audition. But he was like, you know, if I didn't like your feel, I wouldn't have stayed. Well, I can band, see that because you know? when you're a bass player or a drummer, you have to feel that other yeah. guy. You know? No, I mean, we we yeah, it's it's I love playing with Nick. He's super super accomplished shredding bass player and yeah it's awesome I, I i have total trust and confidence in him sometimes you're playing with people and you're like oh this guy's always fucking rushing or you know or whatever you know yeah like, but no i don't have i never i have total total confidence in well, that, you guys sound like you've been playing together since junior high so cool. thank you <laughs> so i wanted to ask you uh i thought this was pretty cool I saw and I actually DVR'd it when you were on Seth Meyers playing with AG. Oh, yeah. You know, I haven't seen them. Dude, it's great. I got to see them. I still have it on my DVR. I was, it was, it was super fun, but it was also a little nerve wracking. I don't think I did a single fill because I was like, don't fuck up. Don't well, fuck the up. Thing don't that, fuck up. Well, so like my buddy Tucker from Thursday did it. A couple yeah. other guys I know have done it. Yeah. There's always that thing at the beginning when they start the show. It's a the doo, first, doo, 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 bah. Yes. Everybody does it different. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. liked how you did it, but do, you, do, do, yeah. Do, do, do. yeah. So what was the preparation like for that? You go in one day and you rehearse with them. So for a little here's bit? a, here's a funny thing. I actually know half of the HG band. Really? Because well, you're Brooklyn, right? I'm Brooklyn, but it's not just that it's, uh, Sid Butler, the bass player and Seth Jabour, the guitarist are from Les Savi five who toured with Trans Am back in the okay. day. We met them in the late nineties. Wow. And in fact, Sid and I both were part of the Washington, D.C. hardcore punk scene. He played in a band called Desiderata. So I've known him since, like, like end of high school. So it was really, like, they were so stoked. because we're That's just awesome. Like, we were just like, it was like old buddies hanging out, which was really fun. So basically, you go in at, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you have about three hours to write, I think it was, like, four or five commercial like bumps. the little transition things. Yeah, when it, when it goes to commercial, and I think two or three like uh, walk-ons for the guests, and so basically somebody will be like, "Oh, I, I've got this lick, or I've got this chord progression, or or how about let's try this beat, or whatever." And then, and then you know, we just write an A part and a B part, and then um, Eli Janney, who's kind of like sort of band director, maybe I don't know. It's it's more democratic than that, but he we play like it's all on V drums and stuff, and it's all. And the guitars are DI'd and stuff. So, and there's and there are a couple of mics in this little practice space. So we just record all the things we write, and then when we're on on set, he'll play the first couple of bars in our ears. So, so you know what you're so getting you ready know to do. What, yeah. what it, song it is that you wrote three hours ago that you're going to play, and what the tempo is, and what the feel is, and whatever. So, I mean, you might not know this, but do they, do they recycle stuff, or is every yes, show? No, I mean, we we even recycle stuff within with the same. They do it with the same guest drummer, like. Like uh, the uh, the walk ons don't have a B section. Okay. The bumps have a B section. So if if we write a walk on that we like on Monday, on Tuesday we'll you know write a B section for it and use it you know for something else. Did you notice like an uptick in streams or anything from like people checking out? Oh, who's this drummer? And then they check out Baroness. Streams on on Baroness posts. Well, no, like when you were on TV because he tells who you are. Oh, I you know. He, not really. Because I, I, mean, I always wondered if it's like, oh, I'm on TV for a week. Yeah, I mean, I, I it must have been good for Baroness, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, 
I mean, what's the population of the U.S.? 300-some million? Something like that, yeah. Right? So let's say 1% of the U.S. population watches that's Seth Meyers. Yeah. That's still 3 million people. That's pretty awesome, yeah. That's a lot of people. That even getting the name recognition, yeah, if exactly. they didn't go out and buy the record, at least exactly, they know exactly. who you guys are. Yeah, yeah. And then if they see you're coming to Indianapolis, like, oh, yeah. I saw that guy on TV. It was really fun. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, by, by the last day, I was like way more relaxed. I mean, the first, it's also, it's it's really not about chops. It's about good vibe, good energy. And it's really about paying attention. Yeah. Because you're constantly watching for clues and listening for, for not clues, cues. Sorry, it's not a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> cues, right? And so like either either visual or or, you know, whatever. Any cues, you know, it's, and, and you can't, you can't fuck up. I mean, they technically, they, they can edit it fuck up, yeah. but they really don't want to. They re, when we're done taping at seven, everybody wants to go home. Yeah. If there's a huge fuck up, then they have to stay an extra hour, you know? So how was Seth? Was he, did you get to meet him? Or I mean, we just, we just chatted a couple of times, you know, he was like, yeah, you know, I know that, I know that, you know, uh, Seth and Sid from before and blah, 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 and this and that. We just chatted in the hallway a couple of times. Was there anybody that was a guest on the show that you liked that you wanted to meet? So it was a great week. We had uh, um, Brian Cranston. Hell yeah, dude. We had, uh, God, I'm going to blank on these three dudes, but it was a good actor every day. And then we had, uh, God, what's his name? John Lithgow. Wow. And he and I had two awesome moments on like he came out and we were playing and he was giving me the double guns and he was like <laughs> looking at me in the eye like he was like so into the me or the drums or drumming or I don't know what it was he was so into it and then when he walked off he walked right up to me like right up to my hi-hat like two feet away from me he was like yeah you yeah and I was like yeah like we're both like yes it was awesome you didn't ask him about Harry and the Hendersons I did not <laughs> <laughs> Deep, he, was a, he was a good guest. Deep reference there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're coming to the end of this. I know you're busy, and uh, I don't want to take up all of your time. But I got to take nap number three. <laughs> are there any cool tour stories off the top of your head that you could give my listeners? Something oh, that's funny. Oh, I mean, there's so many. Oh God. The one that you would tell if you were on your deathbed and you had to oh, tell man. a tour okay, story. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> a cool tour story. Oh, oh my God. Or Damn a it. cringeworthy tour story. Oh. Oh my God, I'm blanking. Damn it. I'm a big traveler. How about something from overseas? I know you guys have done a lot in Europe and whatnot. You just got back from South America. Back South America. Damn it, dude. I'm not having a good funny story. God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm really a fucking scary up right now. story. Oh man. A weird food experience. Oh no. <laughs> I'm trying to find a good entertaining one. It's okay. I can edit all this out. Shit. <laughs> I won't edit it out, but God I like this is it. even better. Oh, I mean, yeah. the thing is, we're just we're just too pro. You're just too pro <laughs> in the Baroness camp. We're just like we're like a well-oiled machine. Nothing ever goes wrong. I don't know if I believe it's that. just work, work, work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk about on this podcast a lot. That's like when you start to play the bigger, nice venues. Yeah, the the good stories are when you're sleeping in the van. Of course, and, <laughs> and now it's like it's like yeah, everything is everything runs smoothly now. Okay, well, let's go with this then. I'll I'll, I'll save you. Save me. Um. I'm an avid traveler with bands I've toured with as well as just on my own. What is What are some of your favorite places outside of the U.S. that you've played and why? Well, uh, so like I said, I'm from originally from Argentina, Argentina. So we went down there a couple months ago, and it was the first time I've been down there with any of my bands to play. Since really? I left in high school. Wow. So that was awesome. I mean, I've been down there just to visit. and, and Did I, it feel like familiar to you? It, it's been so long 
and and honestly, Buenos Aires is a really big city, and the club was in a neighborhood that I never really hung out in when I lived there. Yeah. So it was it was a little weird, but just being there was awesome for me. You know that I really enjoyed that. It's like a homecoming. It was a homecoming, and yeah. I, I I even I even got on the mic and said something, you know, before the encore. And I'm sure a lot of them probably knew. Oh my god! On Instagram, it's like all the Argentines are constantly like, <laughs> writing shit. And then Nick and I went out after the show, and we just had we had a late night, and we went and saw other shows in Buenos Aires, and just we stayed out all night. It was awesome. But dude, I tell you, I went to a few years back. Me and a buddy of mine went to per- to Lima, Peru. Oh yeah, and I I've only been to the airport there. Oh, it's dude, you got to go. Yeah. But we, uh, we were walking down the street to get some food and we saw a flyer for a punk rock show. Yeah. So we just took a cab and went to this punk rock show and it was crazy. We're the only American, only like non Peruvians in this little, like kind of like an American Legion hall, but it's in Peru Yeah. and all these bands played and they were so heavy and so amazing. And people kept asking us who we were. Yeah. yeah. like, Like they were amazed that we spoke English. Like, yeah. Whenever I travel, I always try to like, I love the fact that you guys went to a show. Oh yeah, definitely. See what the culture's like—not no. just the culture, but the music scene. Of course, I always make a point of that. Of course, like I, yeah, I, I, unless it's like, if it's a town in America I've been to eighty-five times, yeah, and it's a Tuesday night. Okay, I'm just gonna go straight to the bus. It's fine. Yeah, but for example, last night we were in Detroit, and I also, you know, I'm, I'm big into like Detroit techno and Acid House and all that kind of stuff, and in Detroit that is like a big deal for them. And it's like it's a homegrown style of music and a homegrown scene, and it's yeah. it's a big deal. So I always take out whoever I can in the Baroness camp. I have friends in that scene, and we go to the warehouse parties and we awesome. stay out all night and we dance and have fun. and And it's like it's like when in Rome, you know, like yeah. when in Detroit, you have to go to a warehouse party. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Awesome. Till like five in the morning. That's yeah. what we did. It was great. So I have a I have a listener story, and then we'll finish this up because I know you've got stuff to yeah, do. Yeah. Uh, a listener story, a listener question. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, this will, this will be interesting. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, Greg from Maryland wrote in. And nice, he, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to know, is there anything new in the works for Trans Am? He's a big fan. Okay, so the last Trans Am album, which is uh, California Hotel, came out three years ago, I believe. And actually in Trans Am world, it's now not so long ago. Yeah. Because we have definitely slowed down. So... For the listeners who don't know, it's three of us in the band: me, me, Nathan Means, and Philip Manley. And Nate lives in New Zealand now. That makes practice hard. Makes practice hard. And <laughs> Phil lives in Oakland. So you guys are all and over. I, the place. And I live in Brooklyn. And there was a period of time where I lived in London, and Phil lived in San Francisco, and Nate was also in New Zealand. And that was before Baroness, and we were still working as a band. Yeah. And that kind of worked because we were touring a lot, and we kind of had. A home base in each continent, like for like that's awesome for backline and stuff. Yeah, and knowing promoters and whatever, so that was really great. But now, not only are we far apart, I'm incredibly busy with Baroness, and the other two dudes both have two kids and both have day jobs, so it makes things a little hard. We are still a band; we are still planning on doing stuff. We're constantly emailing about it, emailing demos and stuff as well. We haven't really done that yet. Uh, I'm sure we will soon. Uh, but yes, this short answer is we will, I'm sure we will do. So. I, it's I, not I hope over. it's you not get, over. Okay. It's not over. It's just, it's gone from being like, you know, our day-to-day life to like a weird sort of artist collective. You know what I'm saying? That's like, cool. Yeah. That's, the, that's what it's turned into. It's something that we just do just for the sake of it, not for any, any other reason. Well, I, I can't wait to hear some new Trans Am, man. Me neither. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, I know you've pleasure. got a show. I'm excited to go watch the show. 
Uh, so lastly, what are your socials? What are the band's socials so people can check it out? Check out the new record. So my Instagram is rimshotxxx. Now, is that because you're straight edge hardcore or you're, in, you're a porn it. star? Yes. <laughs> it's it's up to the interpretation of the viewer. Okay, cool. And uh, the band is just uh, the your, band your is Baroness. Your right? Baroness, exactly. And there's also yourbaroness.com. Yourbaroness.com, exactly. And uh, I know you guys have a lot of dates coming up. You're going to Europe. You're doing all kinds we of do, stuff. We do. Yeah, we got a busy year. So we this tour ends August 18th, and it's all, it's all East Coast, Southeast, and Midwest. Okay. And then we small break before you head over to Europe. We have about a, we have about a month off. We do a one off in Bogota in Colombia. I like how you said that. Yeah. Well, no. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I yeah. love that. Like, if the accents on the A. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like Bogota. I would just say Bogota because I'm from here. Bogota. <laughs> Bogota. The accents on the A. Don't anyway. you love Bogota? It's such a great place. Have you it's been there? It's all right. Buenos Aires is way cooler. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree. The food is better in Buenos Aires. No, Bogota is cool. It is great. I always have I always have fun there, and it will now be probably I think the fourth time I've gone to play there, which is pretty really cool. yeah. Wow. Have you guys ever played in Ecuador? No, but Nick, go. Nick has, has now married an Ecuadorian woman, and he's a big champion for us to go there. To you got to go. Quito is amazing. Exactly. Guayaquil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otavalo, like the yeah, whole no, place. He, yeah, Nick was trying to convince us to, to take like, you know, two weeks and go like or, to a remote location and like do like a live at Pompeii kind of thing. Oh, that would be so cool, It man. would be cool. Well, let me know. We'll do a live podcast. Yeah. I'll just fly down. We'll hang yeah, out. <laughs> well, hey, I want to thank you so much. Uh this has been an honor. Okay, awesome. I love the new record so Thank much, you. and I feel like I know you guys because one of my best friends works for you. Brian is great. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to see you guys tonight, and thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, cool, man. Thanks. So there it was, my conversation with Seb from Baroness. I had so much fun talking to Seb, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show in the future again. I'd really love to get Gina or John or Nick or, I mean, the whole band is amazing. And like I said before, they're so good live. If you guys have the chance to go see them, you have to go see them. Uh, they're getting ready to go to Europe, and they're playing some some different cities over there. They're playing some places in Eastern Europe. I think I saw like a, like a show in Prague and some different places, you know, where bands maybe don't normally go. So go check them out. I've got a lot of European listeners, so make sure to go check out Baroness. I think they're playing some festivals as well. You can go to yourbaroness.com, or you can also just on any social media go, it's at yourbaroness. Um, yeah, that's it for today, man. Make sure you go pick up their record or download it or stream it or whatever. It's golden gray. Every one of their records has like a color theme. And uh, purple was the last record, and purple is just amazing as well. And a lot of people get kind of, they get some, you know, we talked about in the podcast, Backlash for the production of Dave Fridman. Uh, Dave Fridman also produced the the last Brazil record to come out. And he does he does some different stuff, but I just I love how compressed it is. I love I I love how it sounds because it doesn't sound like every other band's production. And to me, you know, it's what Seb said, it's what I've heard John say in different interviews. It's a piece of art, you know, I don't want every band I listen to to have the same exact production, but I love the production. I hope you guys do as well. Go pick up golden gray and what you're at it, pick up purple and red and, 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 and all their other records too. They're all colors. Uh, so I'm going to get out of here, but, uh, I'm going to play some music before I play the music. I got to tell you next week on the show, 
I'm excited for this one as well. Uh, Ray Castro, drummer for the amazing band Bracket. I've been listening to Bracket since I was in high school, man. They were on Fat Records. They're back on Fat Records, and they have a new record that just came out, and we're going to talk all about it. Ray was a, a lot of fun to talk to. So come back next week for episode 66 with Ray Castro from Bracket. But it is time for me to go to sleep. And I will see you guys next week. I'm going to play two Baroness tracks because I could not pick just one. I'm going to start off by playing Throw Me an Anchor. It's my favorite song on the new record, Golden Gray. And I'm going to follow that up with Chlorine and Wine off of their 2015 record, Purple. Purple was the one that had... uh, Shock Me, which was nominated for the Grammy that we talked about during the podcast. So I hope you guys are well. You know, get in touch with me. TOTOT podcast at gmail.com is the easiest way. I hang out mostly on Instagram. You can always hit me up there. Facebook, I'm not on there as much, but I'm starting to do more stuff on Facebook. Become a patron, patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. You know, sponsor an episode. You got a cool company, you got a band, whatever you want. Hit me up. We'll take care of it. Thanks for coming back every week. And like I said, if this is your first time to the TOTOT podcast, stick around for a while. Check some stuff out. We've got 64 other episodes. So I will see you guys next week. Chris out.
This is Jonathan from the band Brazil. I just want to let you know that we'll be playing our first show in 10 years Friday, August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis with the bands Pillars and Rooms. We're celebrating the 15-year anniversary of the release of A Hostage in the Meaning of Life, our debut album on Fearless Records. So come out Friday, August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis. It's going to be an amazing time. Go to hi-fiindy.com for more information. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. <laughs> 